you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? It could be caused by something as simple and common as a B1 deficiency. This is Dr. Ronald Hoppen with a solution for low B1. Zobria. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven nutritional supplement containing a high-potency bioactive form of vitamin B1, which has been shown to reverse symptoms caused by low B1 with no side effects. Low B1 causes your nerve cells to stop functioning properly, resulting in numbness, tingling, burning, and pain in the feet and legs. It may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Restoring proper B1 levels has been shown to improve the functioning of these nerve cells. You can get Zobria risk-free by going to zobria.com. That's zobria.com and get 20% off with coupon code Hoffman at checkout. This offer is only available to Intelligent Medicine listeners. That's zobria.com. Vitamin B1 perfected. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Hoffman. It's a time of week that I very much look forward to because I get a chance to uh, discourse with my colleague, uh, Layla Mutin, who's our nutritionist in residence. And Chris for the Mill, our questions that you send to us via radio program at AOL.com. And uh, we've got a bunch of questions this week. So thank you for uh, taking an interest. And... Um, before we get to questions, uh, interesting story in the news hmm. that just came out today. Uh, drinking fluoridated water during pregnancy may lower IQ in sons, controversial study says. Wow. Yeah. So th- this is a battle that we've been fighting for quite some time uh, about the hazards of fluoridation. And, and you know, t- frankly, uh, being anti-fluoridation. Yes. Uh can get you branded as a nutcase because you know i remember you know this has been going on ever since i was a little kid there were these people uh who were talking about fluoridation that it was like a communist plot uh that it was stealing our uh, virility and uh you know this this it was a little bit like uh, the little old lady in tennis shoes from uh, pasadena uh who was a conspiracy theory was talking about fluoridation when i was like a a kid Uh uh-huh you know so that um, and in, it, it sort of fits in with people's view that there's some sort of uh, monolithic state conspiracy uh, to undermine our health by adding these unacceptable additives to our water supply against our will, against mm. our free will. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, people, uh, the people in the scientific community and dentists especially push back against this. They said this is the greatest thing, the greatest public health uh, advancement since vaccines. It's, yeah. a, it's a wonderful thing because we've curbed the epidemic of uh, dental caries. Mm-hmm. Uh, fluoridation is an unqualified success. Uh, the incidence of dental caries is going down because of fluoridation. Uh, but there are other people who, um, you know, over the years have pointed out that fluoride is a toxin. Yes. And also there's an element of, you know, follow the money trail because it turns out that uh, the aluminum industry, relatively new industry in America. It got a big impetus, by the way, in World War II because yes. of lightweight uh, aircraft materials, yeah. you know, making uh, aluminum. And then, of course, you know, maybe less uh, need for uh, bombers and fighter planes. And so they, they created alum- the aluminum siding industry. And right. The aluminum foil industry. Uh-huh. They, they kept making a lot of aluminum. 
It's a marvelous substance. It's flexible. It's light. But when you make aluminum, you end up with a big slag of fluoride residue.、Mm, and what are they going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? All that toxic stuff. We're going to put it into the water supply. Oh, well, you were going to dump it anyway. Right. <laughs> We could say. So anyway, so、yeah. uh, over the years, this has been a,、uh, a hot and heavy controversy. So they published an article,、mm-hmm. and they actually apologized for this article. They said. We're sorry, in a way, to publish this because it's going to feed the nut, the nutcase people who are against fluoridation. But we have to admit that this is good science.、Uh, that、uh, it, it was a well-conducted study, okay,、uh, rigorously、uh, controlled,、mm-hmm. and it does show uh, that uh, fluoridated drinking water,、uh, when、uh, taken in pregnancy,、uh, increases the risk for A decline in IQ points in boys, but not in girls. I was just going to ask because the title that、points. struck me is strange. And what they only looked at boys, but not in, no, okay. No, no they, they didn't find the same. They didn't find、girls. the same thing. So a lot of people are. They, it's very controversial. People are saying that's ridiculous. How can that possibly be that it, it、uh, something is toxic、uh, for boys, but not for girls?、Hmm. And so that invalidates the study. If, if if it was really toxic, it would you would show up in both boys and girls. But、yeah. interestingly. The incidence of autism is much higher in boys. That's true.、Uh, That's boys true. seem to be more vulnerable to the effects potentially of environmental toxins for、yeah. some reason,、hmm. uh, and so、uh, maybe this is real.、Uh, so, you know, the, this we'll, we'll talk more about this, and I may write a little article about this.、Um, the authors, they say, are fully aware of the controversial nature of their work. Uh, and one of them,、uh, Dr. Rivka Green, a neuropsychology doctoral student at York University in Toronto, Canada, says she hopes the study will jumpstart further research. We tried to be as cautious and careful as possible. She says we're not coming and saying that fluoride is poison or anything like that. We're just letting the data tell the story. So、um, you know, the JAMA Pediatrics、yeah. took the unusual step of publishing an editor's note accompanying the paper. You know, they did that also with the chelation study. When the chelation study came out, showing that chelation actually worked, they said, "Well, we're sorry, but you know, we we don't want to give credence to this quackery of chelation, but we have to admit that the study actually shows that it works, so we're publishing it as much. You know, it's it's. I like, hate all this apologizing. Yeah, we want truth and science. There should be no apology for that. Exactly. Exactly.、Yeah. So、uh, there's lots of problems with fluoride. Yeah. Competes、What? with iodine for uptake by the thyroid. Yeah. I mean, let's get started here. Maybe that has something to do with our—I don't want to call it an epidemic of hypothyroidism. But why is it that after a certain age, or more often than not, we're seeing more and more hypothyroidism? Yeah, and also many countries and municipalities have have backed away from fluoridation for that reason. They、yeah. actually think that in the—you know—there's something called the precautionary principle, which is if there's eat, you know. It's one thing to say,、uh, well, there's not enough evidence to conclusively demonstrate that fluoride is a problem.、Hmm. But under the precautionary principle, if there's even a you know suggestion of an effect, why go there? It's an additive. It's not like exactly. It, it, it's you're going that extra mile to add the fluoride. So why go the extra mile to add something that has is potentially right. problematic? Right. It may also be problematic for our bones. Yeah. We yeah. have dental. For, there's Dental fluorosis means there's a mottling of the teeth. Too、mm-hmm. much 
uh, fluoride damages the teeth and too much fluoride damages the bone. Yes, it's actually bone one, mineral density. It's actually one of those things that actually increases bone mineral density but makes the bones more brittle. Ah! So it was actually what's no proposed good. as an osteoporosis treatment because it made the bones look denser but they were more brittle. Hmm. So, That's um, yeah. So anyway, it, you know, to be continued, but it's interesting how it's going to really take, it, we got to turn around the Titanic here because the momentum towards the iceberg is so profound that even with early warnings, uh, we're still headed for the iceberg with these environmental toxins that it's That's hard true. to, um, you know, even with glyphosate, they're pushing back, they're pushing back, you know, there's a big right. PR campaign by right. Monsanto. And even other uh, other uh, pesticides, herbicides, or anything in the environment that was even banned back in the 70s are still showing up in pregnant women's placentas after yep. birth and all of that. And yeah, it's very concerning. And how so, do we clear all of that? So I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take some no-dos and stay up late one night and read the paper, uh, you know, or stay up and read the paper, <laughs> or have extra, you know, take some extra theanine or something so I can uh -huh. as a focus factor so that I can my eyes won't glaze over when I read all that data and see uh -huh. if I can uh, discern uh, the truth or or lack thereof in the study because yeah. Uh, Frankly, there are a lot of studies that point to this or that or the other thing, mm -hmm. and they don't amount to hill of beans because the methodology is suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did they say anything about their N number or anything? How many subjects? They I haven't gotten there yet. All right. Look forward to that article, it, Dr. But, you know, but in, you, for an article that controversial hmm. to be published, it's got to be a pretty darn good study because the bias against a study like that would yeah. be great. So it, it was must have been overwhelmingly rigorous mm -hmm. to for them to even publish it. Yeah, that's my suspicion. It's not a fly by night study because yeah. if it was fly, they'd be saying, "Oh, another you know anti fluoridation study by you know these yeah. uh, these fluoridation nuts. They're back again. You know, we'll, we'll deep sick." They had to pay attention to the study. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's very compelling. Looking forward to your synopsis on that. All right, we've got a very nice email, Dr. Hoffman, for you from Geraldine. She writes, Hi, thought you would like to hear about your life-changing impact on one of your followers. He's a nutritionist who works in a nutritionally-oriented store here in Brooklyn, in New York. He told me he decided to go into this field because of his fascination with your radio show which he's listened to for over 13 years. He visits your website, listens to your podcast, read your articles, etc. He considers you his mentor. He obviously cares for his customers and wants to help them. He attributes it all to your influence. I'm pretty sure he is one of many whom you have influenced. That is pretty special. Well, that, that, what a lovely that is note. what a lovely note and, and a wonderful tribute. And I'm going to uh, pass along a tribute because I actually, hmm. when I was young and aspiring in this field, uh, I had role models too. Yeah. And among them were Carlton Fredericks yes. and Gary Null and Dr. Atkins. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I, and I listened to them and I was inspired by them. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's an element of, you know, two elements to these broadcasts. One is, you know, the transmission of raw facts. Mm-hmm. And the other is the transmission of sort of an ethos of a critical look at American 
medic medicine and the way we deliver health and our food supply yeah. and our environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that is part of the spirit of broadcasts like this, is to uh, inculcate people with a spirit of uh, inquiry, inquiry and curiosity and, um, you know, just thinking it out for themselves yeah. and pursuing knowledge in this wonderful field that's, that's continually yes. uh, changing and developing. Yeah. So there's, you know, I, I'm just delighted if, if, if it, uh, there's some people who just catch the fever mm -hmm. of this mm -hmm. uh, movement. Yeah. Yeah. A good fever and, to have, folks. And, and you too <laughs> are, you know, and Layla are contributing to that because I think there are many people in your profession, you know, uh, uh, dietitians and uh, master's degree nutritionists who mm -hmm. say, wow, the, the, she's a role model. This is what you can do professionally in this right. field and, uh, you know, achieve uh, excellence uh, in a uh, field of endeavor. And it's, and to, to add to that, it's yeah. not even your first career. No, this, this is, is my second career. Second this was, career. this was a calling and many of your same mentors were mine, starting actually way back even before I was conscious of it. Carlton Fredericks. Yeah. And then Dr. Atkins and then so forth. And, and, and you as a result yep. Yep. back in 2005. So here we are. It's so interesting. I was just explaining to a patient that we saw this morning, a young, a young woman in college is thinking of going into the sciences. And uh, the person she was with in the office was explaining, you will gravitate towards things like Dr. Hoffman's podcasts. And I told her, I said, if you just listen to his clinical focus podcasts, you will earn yourself at least an honorary, <laughs> an honorary degree. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he said to her in my presence, he said, if you don't find yourself gravitating to these kinds of things, then you know that it's not for you. But speaking of getting a fever, about it. When I went back to school, I thought first that I was going to become a psychologist right. because I have an interest in that. And you know what? Being but, nutritionist, but we need to minor in psychology. Guess what? Yeah, we you, need psychology. You are a psychologist. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've Eating seen is you, a behavior. I've seen you in action. Oh my gosh. Know, and, yeah. We need to at least minor in psychology. Yeah. But here's the thing, and here's the, the epiphany that we were trying to explain to this young woman today uh, who's in college. I said I was a psychology major and I was doing my work, doing my work until the day when in my mailbox I would find the Berkeley Health Newsletter, the Tufts Newsletter, Dr. Atkins Health uh, Revelations, Dr. Julian Whitaker's newsletter. Yes. These would all come around the same time every yeah. month. And when I saw them, I started to salivate. I'm <laughs> salivating as right, I'm right, talking right, about it right. now. Everything stopped. Right. Everything stopped, was put aside right. as I devoured right. these newsletters. And that there was the epiphany on my living room sofa. Right. Why aren't I studying nutrition? Yeah. And then I had to, you know, go talk to well, my mother and talk to my sister I, and say, I should be studying nutrition. I, I have the same because reaction was, when I get my copy of the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. AKA. It, it, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Because I remember right, what because, you used to call it. Yeah, it well, you know, it, it's, uh -huh. it's, it's kind of like my, my uh, monthly penthouse magazine. Right, you know? right, 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 right. But, you know, but I, it's that kind of a I'm thing, a, really. I'm, I'm past that. You know? Yes, <laughs> but, yes. But uh, the uh, I, I have a sense of excitement. And to my dismay, all yeah. of a sudden, it stopped. Mm. I, I, I was going to my mailbox and saying, I must, I must be getting my American, or maybe they're going to give me like three 
issues because they haven't sent it to me for all all spring. Uh huh. And so I finally got through to them. It's very hard to get through to them. And I they said, let's look you up. And I said, oh, your subscription expired in 2018. Ah. I said, oh my God, you know, that you're not billing me? He said, no, you just, well, whatever, you change credit cards or something. Okay. I said, well, get me back on, mm -hmm. you know, so that I can mm -hmm. get it. And, uh, you know, so, and some of these articles, frankly, these articles to a layperson would be very dry and, you yeah. know, like uh, complex, but they are, you know, I try to search for nuggets of meaning and relevance in those mm -hmm. articles that I can pass along to listeners. Clinical pearls, yes, absolutely. So, okay, here's to our mentors. Okay, Geraldine, thank you for that lovely note. You've heard me talk about Future Farm Botanicals custom organic herbal supplement blends crafted from the finest raw ingredients. Now through September 7th, you can take advantage of Future Farm's immune support and heart health supplement sale. Buy two bottles of elderberry with zinc and echinacea and get Black for Health Liposome Complex free, a $32.95 value. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea is a natural solution created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Black for Health Liposome Complex is an all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. You can get Black for Health Liposome Complex free when you purchase two bottles of Future Farms Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea through September 7th. To order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture, P-H-A-R-M myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. We have an email. I don't have a name. Hello, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. Sometimes I go for a run and can run my usual six miles as a seven and a half minute mile. No problem. By the way, that's... That's fast. That's good. That's booking. That's a race. Okay. I uh, call that a race. That's yeah, really I, something. First of all, going six miles, that's not an inconsiderable feat. That's a 10K race. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So seven and a half, good pace. Uh, wow. Don't know how old this individual is. Nope, we don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I could run that one day, no problem. Then the very next day or so, I can run better than maybe eight and a half or a nine minute mile. But I get out of breath very quickly. In other words, I'm not running as fast as I did the day before. Right. I'm still doing all right, but I'm that's still out of breath. That's still pretty breath, good. Really, that is pretty good. I've had the full cardio workup and everything is normal. Any idea what could cause this okay. on and off scenario? Well, I'm for, thinking there are so many possibilities. So first of all, it's, it's very good that uh, he had a full cardiac workup. And yes. I presume that includes a stress test uh, in particular because that, you know, the, a slowdown or a decline in performance might mean some kind of blockage. Yeah. So presumably that's not there. Also, uh, the other thing that's relevant is what's called an echocardiogram, which shows the status of the valves. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, forget running. Just you know, people who experience a sudden decrement in their ability to, say, climb stairs or go up a hill. Maybe they're going up a like an incline in their neighborhood where they usually take their walk. And all of a sudden, they're huffing, huffing and puffing. It may mean that they have an aortic valve problem or a mitral valve problem mm. that's compromising the performance. I think that's what happened in Mick Jagger because... Uh, everybody oh, he said, got a valve replacement. He got a, right. People said he was like gyrating like nobody's business. Like he was amazing at his after the surgery. After the surgery, oh, he had a concert recently in New York. He was yes. in, uh, I think he was in a garden, and he was in New Jersey at the uh -huh. uh, MetLife, and he was. The Back people say he was amazing, but 
at that very high level of performance, he probably noticed a little <clears throat> bit of a decline in his uh, exertional capacity. And lo and behold, he got checked. And then they did a TAVERS procedure, which is a relatively non-invasive procedure to fix his valve. Mm. And But he's all fixed up. At 70-whatever he is, 74 yeah. or something like that. Well, 70s and new 50s. So yeah. So, so, so that's what, you know, the basic things to check. Now, it get, now it gets a little more subtle. Like, well, there's nothing obvious. There's nothing, no plumbing problem in the heart. Right. What could be going on? And, you know, and I will relate from my own personal experience is that, um, you know, running, you know, especially past a certain age, running or doing the same thing day in, mm-hmm. day out, you can have a little bit of fatigue, uh, and it has to do with lactic acid accumulation in your muscles. And that will slow you down. So yeah. that you'll feel, you know, sort of flat. Like sometimes after a weekend of very intense exercise, I'll do a spin class or something, I'll say, man, I don't have it today. I'm just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Um, you and know, I'm thinking after a six-mile run at seven and a half minute per mile, you're generating you some really, lactic acid. Okay, you were really, not just that, you're burning up a whole lot of glycogen. That too. Which you may have not then replenished enough after that run that could be. for the following day. Right. So you're feeling a little flat. Right. But I that mean, there's there's clearing of the lactic acid. Yeah. And then there's also replenishing your, your glycogen. So I don't know what the problem is with this individual. Maybe yeah. there's uh, some discernible uh, problem. But, you know, the suggestion is, um, change your workout pattern. Yeah, he says, or she says, the very next day I'm out of breath. Well, maybe you need a day off. Yeah, that's typically, you know. Do something different and then try this. Do your seven and a half mile, six mile run and then take a day off and then see if the following right. day you could do another seven you and a half minute mile. I, I rarely do the same thing two days in a row. Now, this weekend was an exception. I did a, uh, a 15 mile, which is for me a fairly short bike ride you know, with hills. Yeah, yeah. And then I said, the next day was a beautiful day. And I said, you know, usually I, d- I don't um, want to do two days in a row on the bicycle, but let me push it. And I did a 30 mile. And I got to tell you that after doing the, the hill work, 15 miles, the 30 mile was a little harder than usual. Yeah. But I felt exceptionally good that weekend. I pushed it. But, you know, the next day, I, I really was not going to be set for another 30 mile bike ride. Right, right. You need to take a day off from working those lower body muscles that you right. did so go I, pedaling I, up the hills. I went swimming and stuff. Right? There and, you go. And, you know, yeah. so I, I just think um, people have to listen to the body. Maybe that's all there is to it. Yeah. That yeah. there's some fatigue factor here. Yeah. But hey, mm-hmm. this is an embarrassment of riches. It's like, oh, I was only able to do an eight and a half, nine minute embarrassment mile. Embarrassment of riches. Yeah, you know good. what I'm saying? It's uh-huh. like, hey. Seven and a half minute that, miles. That's all Whoa. good. Yeah. But, I mean, look, we're, obviously we're not talking like Olympic competition, but for the average amateur runner, especially like a, you know, over 50 runner, mm-hmm. that's pretty darn good. Right. We're not talking about Usain Bolt or something. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. Well, or, uh-huh. you know, or, you know, one of these, uh, you know, Ethiopian uh, marathoners. You oh, know. yeah. They'll do like, they'll do... They, they don't even look like they're breathing while the they're whole, running. The whole marathon, <laughs> they'll do like, like, like five and change, you know. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so not to worry. Take a day off. Don't do. Don't attempt to do the very same thing the next day. Yeah, I mean that, that's my offhanded recommendation. Right, right. But thank you for that email. Okay, we have an email from Cindy. 
Cindy says, Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, I'm a 60-year-old woman in very good health. I exercise several times a week by mountain biking and hiking. Unfortunately, I'm allergic to poison oak like so many other people. I live in an area of California where it is everywhere, and I've had several severe outbreaks over the last 30 years. Now, it would appear that any time I'm exposed to poison oak, areas of my body where I had severe outbreaks in the past react by breaking out in welts and bumps. Does this make any sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it, once you've been sensitized to it, you know, even some of the old areas might have sort of a sympathy reaction when your whole body's uh, oh, activated. Yeah. I, was thinking it's I, just would, more I would look at histamines. Yeah. Um, you know, because you might be someone who has trouble um, breaking down histamines. And, you know, we <clears> actually now do genetic testing to see if people have that. But we can measure blood histamines. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, are, yeah. are there vaccines for poison oak? Um, there's some allergy shots that you can take. They don't really work very well. Hmm. Uh, they're typically only used for people who are very sensitive. So you can investigate that with a uh, an allergist. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you know, I for my st I'm not a uh, professional uh, allergist. And I don't use these vaccines. I would maybe evaluate this person to see if they're overproducing histamine. Mm. See what's Where we can bring down there. the histamine levels. We put people on a low histamine diet. Mm -hmm. uh, we give them uh, DAO and we give them uh, certain quercetin B vitamins, quercetin. Mm -hmm. um, these are lower the allergic sort of response. histamine blockers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So looking to see if you have histamine, that's a simple blood test, right? So that could be something to look at, Cindy, for you. And yeah, the areas that you're getting uh, reaction by breaking out welts and bumps, it sounds like more allergic reaction too. But you were saying it's a sympathetic reaction. Well, it, I, it, so the areas that are, were pre-sensitized are also being activated. So yeah. it's like she gets the exposure, it puts her body into overload, the old areas start to flare. Mm. But she's on the cusp of being itchy all mm -hmm. the time, it sounds like. Right, And that's, right. that sounds very much like a histamine overload situation. Cindy. And the external precipitant pushes her over the edge. Right, right, okay. Cindy, there you have it. Dr. Hoffman's synopsis. Nice article. If you Google Dr. Ronald Hoffman, histamine intolerance, there's an article I wrote a couple of years ago that kind of summarizes that approach. Terrific. But there's a lot on the internet these days about histamine intolerance. It's kind of a, a popular diagnosis in integrative medicine. It is, right. It's all in vogue now. Yeah. Before it was SIBO, but I think SIBO is still well, happening. SIBO still happening. It's still yeah. happening. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently for many other reasons, too, yep. which is interesting. So, okay. We have an email from Larry. Well, let's save it for part two, because we divide our podcast yeah. into two parts. Yeah. Give let's us a preview. Let's see. Larry says, I'm really disappointed. I've been taking MK7 for years now, but I've got all this plaque. Okay, we'll, we'll tackle that when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, wherein we answer your questions. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions. That's one word, radio program at AOL.com. Send your questions and we'll answer them right here on this forum. This is Intelligent Medicine.